Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the For Good podcast. My name is Jenna. I'm your host. Uh, I don't know why I said that. I've never said that before. But I'm your host, and this is a place to talk about all of the thoughts, conversations, and people that have changed me and my life for the better and for good. I'm happy that you're here. Welcome back, or welcome if this is your first time listening. It feels so good to be podcasting. Honestly, I was really looking forward to it and craving this and missing this, so I'm excited to just sit down and chat with you all today. There is no guest this week, so you're going to have to just bear with me and all of my my rambling thoughts, but hopefully that's okay. Um, I feel like I've had a lot of pretty big ponderings and thoughts and kind of just wanted to sit down with you guys before the year wraps up and and record, yeah, one final episode of 2023. So kind of before jumping into what I'll be talking about on today's episode, I wanted to do I from the week, a low, and then one of the We're Not Really Strangers questions. So I think my high from the week, um, let me think back to what all this week entailed. Oh, oh, I, okay, totally have it. So um, Jamie and Mallory and I, two of the girls that I live with and am incredibly close friends with, started this little, we started this little tradition where every month one of us plans a fun little surprise day or evening and and it could totally range from a chill movie night in to going out and having a fun day exploring the city. So, for example, like the first day Jamie or the first month, Jamie had us go to a trampoline park, which was insane to watch each other jump. Honestly, it was so embarrassing. And we gave ourselves the ick by having to watch each other jump, but it was so fun and something that we'd never done before. Or for other months, we did like wine tasting and a photo shoot with our house. Um, we did, we watched Princess Diaries and got brunch one month. So just kind of really anything goes. I feel like there's not any big expectations or, but I feel like it's been a fun way to have some intentional time every month outside of our normal interactions in the house or catching up over dinner. But all that to say, Jamie and Mallory were like, we're going to plan December and we'll surprise you. You know, I trust them and knew that it was going to be something fun, but I was anxiously awaiting it. And it finally came this past weekend they surprised me with tickets to the Art Institute in Chicago, which I've been talking about for months and months and months of wanting to go. Um, so it was so sweet and thoughtful that they surprised me with that as a little early birthday present. So we left on Sunday morning at like seven from Grand Rapids and then drove there together. We had the best playlist lineup, the best cue for our music on the way down. Um, which was so fun. We brought all the snacks, got our coffee for the road, and then just had truly such a dreamy, perfect day in Chicago. We got brunch, got coffee, went to a went to a bookstore, went thrifting, and then went to the art institute. And and when I tell you that it was seriously one of the best moments and days of my life, I I cannot describe. I think. I was tearing up so many times when we were there just thinking about how people have dedicated their lives to creating art and trying to capture the beauty of the world just makes me so emotional. And if you've been to the Art Institute before, there's a huge Impressionism um, exhibit and so many Monet paintings. And he's one of my favorite artists, if not my favorite. So just getting to see all of his work and read the little descriptions behind them was was incredible and I think I definitely want to dive more into an art history art history knowledge in the new year and I think something for my bucket list is I want to visit as many art many art institutes or art museums as possible so I think that was just such a perfect and thoughtful gift that the girls um that the girls came up with so perfect day we went to the art institute and then after that went to the Chris Kendall market there got some wine and made our way back before the work week. So I think just getting to spend the day in the city just felt so fun and so magical. 
around Christmas time and getting to be with Jamie and Mallory just made me think so much about us years down the line when we're even more grown up than we are now, when we have our own families, hopefully one day, and just what our little girls trips can still enta- could still entail one day. Um, was just really precious to think about. So that was my high from the week by far. My low, I, my low from the week was I got violently ill on like Tuesday, Tuesday before we left, kind of out of nowhere. I feel like I get sick kind of often with nannying and just being around kids that are very germy and sick all the time. So that's not out of the norm for me, but I like felt pretty achy. Um, my throat was really hurting. My neck was hurting, um, a little while ago, but then didn't think too much of it. I thought that I was fine. On Tuesday, I worked a full day. We went out to dinner afterwards. And when we were at the restaurant after eating some pizza, I had like one slice, but I felt so nauseous and so sick. And I was like, I think I'm going to throw up. And then I went to the bathroom. Nothing happened. I thought that I was fine. Also, sorry, I should probably just say like, this is probably getting it a little bit too TMI, but I'm just going to share my, share my story. Um, but then went back to the bathroom and then threw up and I just felt so embarrassed, so awful. And then proceeded to go home and throw up like 20 more times after that. So I feel like I'm in a better place now where I can kind of joke about it and talk about it in a lighthearted way. But I seriously have not felt that bad in my whole life, I don't think. And I just felt so awful so sick, like truly have not felt that bad. This just was, it was just really unfortunate timing as well because that was also my finals week for grad school. So I was staying up late, um, like the day before trying to finish a presentation and a nine page research paper and then had to do finals on top of that. So I didn't even tackle my finals until maybe like Thursday or Friday of that week because I just like laid in bed so much the next couple days trying to recover from the illness and yeah it just it was pretty rough and I accidentally passed it on to Jamie and I felt awful for that as well didn't really work that much that week because I didn't want to get the kids sick um so that was definitely my low but we're feeling so much better and I think the art institute definitely made up for for the low from the week but that's my high and my low and then Guys, we're kind of at record speed, I feel like, for the intro. I think I was pretty pretty speedy, pretty concise. Um, but the last part of the intro is the We're Not Really Strangers question. So this question says, what is the favorite lyric you can't stop thinking about in your head? Honestly, I feel like so many of Taylor Swift's lyrics really, really resonate with me, especially from folklore. I think that was some of her best lyricism um, and storytelling. So I think one from one from folklore would be to live for the hope of it all from August. I even thought about getting the hope of it all tattooed somewhere on my arm or my leg or something. Maybe I still will one day. Okay, this is taking it way deeper than I feel like maybe she was meaning for the song and just like a hookup or a fling, but hear me out. I think it captures so much of of me being a dreamer and someone that's looking to the future and um, so many different visions and plans and ideas and lives that I can kind of like craft in my head for myself and wanting to live in the hope of all of those things and wanting to live just for the possibility that good things could happen. So that one, or um, there's a lyric in a Gracie Abrams song, um, she cries about her obsessions. And I think that also feels like very fitting for me. And I think about that quote often because I'm, I'm an emotional girl, as you know, I'm a crier and I just cry about my obsessions and my thoughts and my feelings. And I think I'm someone that's just going to cry about the things that I love, the people that I love and get overly wistful and nostalgic while I'm just musing about them and pondering them. So I would say probably one of those two. All right, guys, we did it. So that was the introduction to the episode. And now I kind of wanted to transition into what we're going to talk about today on the pod. And that is 22 things I learned 
at 22. I thought it would be kind of fun to do a reflection of what this past year has looked like for me and a lot of the things that I've been pondering and thinking about and kind of in a similar vein to to New Year's resolutions because it's December 21st as I'm recording this so very close to the end of the year and I'm I think that reflecting is one of my favorite things to do in the whole entire world that's pretty much what my brain is doing constantly if I'm not talking to people and I think even in my conversations with friends oftentimes we're reflecting together so definitely it's definitely one of my favorite things to do and feels very pertinent for it being almost New Year's Eve and a new year. I was reflecting earlier this week and made a list of 22 things, things I learned or just like big thoughts um, that have really resonated with me. I kind of just wanted to go through my list and read what I had written down as I was reflecting earlier this week and give a little explanation for each thing. But I should also preface that I don't think any of these are like necessarily practical or like life skills, hard skills, or like practical facts that are going to help you like how to get your oil changed or paying taxes or budgeting, which are all good and important things and things that I still struggle with because I'm not a logical, rational, practical tasks kind of girl. We're existing in our thoughts and in our mind palace and dreaming all the time. So those are also some goals that I'm going to try and get better at in 2024. But for now, these are just thoughts and ponderings and things that I personally have learned. So here is 22 things I learned at 22. Number one, art is all around us. And it might be one of my favorite things in the whole entire world. Movies, music, books, paintings, clothes, it's such a gift to experience it all. I definitely was thinking about this in the context of visiting the art museum, um, but I've really been thinking about it a lot in general, just how how creative people are and how I think I'm so drawn towards the intensity of people expressing their emotions and their thoughts through art and I think I'm someone that also wants to be seen as being unique and creative and individualistic, but there's nothing that I love more than, yeah, than getting to experience that and cherish that from other people. Number two, forgiveness does not require reconnection. You don't have to force things that don't fit. I think I kind of learned this in the context of some relationships and friendships that changed and not to say that I have all of that figured out or have full clarity on that, but I think just recognizing that that you can forgive someone, um, that can be a totally separate decision and an action apart from, apart from saying that like what was, what was done is okay or, or that you necessarily want reconnection or to have exactly what, um, what that relationship maybe looked like in the past. I think this kind of goes along with like being able to set up healthy boundaries and knowing that it's okay, not like not to cut people off. I don't, I don't really love the expression cutting people off and saying that people are toxic or things are toxic for you, which that could definitely be true, but I think it kind of has a negative connotation because it's been used so much. Um, I think for me, I just kind of think about this in the context of setting up good boundaries and knowing that it's okay if relationships change, if people are in your life for a season of life, and you can appreciate that for what it was without needing to force it if if it's draining, if it's not fitting either of your lives or benefiting either of you in the best ways at this time. Not that that can't change down the line, but I think just knowing um, that you don't have to force things that don't fit. Number three, I am an expert at anticipatory grief. I always mourn things long before they've ended, for better or for worse. So for those of you that don't know, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but Anticipatory grief is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's grieving things before they've actually gone or passed. I did this a lot before things like graduation was just like really mourning the loss of being in college and getting to live with my friends in the context of school and knowing like we're never going to be able to go back to this place in the same way and have have the same relationships with professors or 
the same experience that we've had in undergrad. Maybe another example would be I was already starting to mourn the end of October when it was like only September and it hadn't we haven't even gotten to October yet but I was already thinking about how sad it was going to be for it to be over and that there's only 31 days not enough days to get to appreciate all of the leaves changing and scary movies and all of the fun fall activities because that's my favorite time of the whole year and I think that just because I love it so much I'm like very much so grieving it um, before it even happens or before it's gone. I think this can also take place in relationships too where you're doing a lot of the processing and the grieving before maybe that person is gone whether they pass away or a relationship just ends. I think that it can be a self-preservation thing as well where you're going to try and cope and come to terms with and process as much as you can before before kind of the inevitable if you know that that relationship is going to end in one way or another. Number four, I want to be the person who stays. Someone who consistently shows up and says, I see you, I hear you, I'm here. I wrote this down um, thinking about my friendships and my desire to be a social worker. I've learned a lot in my grad program this year about how important consistency is in building deeply trusted relationships with your clients and how they just need someone that's going to continue to show up for them day after day and and be a constant figure in their life. For a lot of people that have experienced trauma and harm in their lives, consistency in, in caregivers or in adults is not very common. And I think whether that be in my own interpersonal relationships or as a social worker, I this is something that I really strive for is just being someone who who's going to continue to show up and affirm that even when things are are getting messy and hard and confusing and when you don't have maybe the right words to say or or you're projecting or you're lashing out or doing x y and z I still want to be be a person that is going to continue to show up and say I'm here for you I'm hearing you and um, I'm going to walk alongside you through this number five running is literally free therapy (laughs) and the ability to move my body is such a gift. I really think that running is one of my favorite things in the world and I was just reflecting on how grateful I am that our bodies can do that and that God made them in such a way that they can even honor him and experience creation um, just by moving. So I am still in my running running phase and my running love is just as, just as large as normal. Number six, people need people. We were made for connection and friends really can become like family. Okay, so this number I was definitely thinking about in context of post-grad and being hours away from my family, feeling like I'm kind of on my own um, in a lot of ways. And I think I've just been reminded time and time again this year that We were made for connection and for attachment and interaction with other people and community with other people and just the power of of having your your tiny village around you, whatever that looks like and whoever is a part of it, having people that are going to be supportive and life-giving and encouraging and willing to also walk alongside you and in a lot of ways show up for you. Just like I mentioned in number four, having those people who are going to consistently show up and say that they're there for you and they're going to see you for your full self and you feel welcome to come as your full self with them. Number seven, asking for help and relinquishing control doesn't make me incompetent or incapable. I'm grateful for the people in my corner who remind me you don't have to do it all on your own. Okay, I'm realizing that these are kind of similar, so I'm sorry that my thoughts are just pretty synonymous to each other, but um, I think I do have a hard time asking for help from other people I'm not super receptive to help, even if it's what I want, because I'm scared that people are going to think that I'm incompetent or somehow incapable or less worthy because of that. But I think I realized that it is so helpful to have accountability. It's so helpful to have, um, to have people in your life that, that do want to help and can show up for you in acts of service. So I've been been trying to do a better job at that at receiving help and even asking for help when I need it because it's a lot easier than just stressing and freaking out and trying to do it by myself 
as much as I would want to be an independent person. Number eight, I'm even less of a logical, rational person than I thought. <laughs> I function so much more from an emotional or emotional or creative point of view and appealing to my emotions is how I feel the most loved and seen. So I, I think that I can like be logical and rational in the sense of like, I can be organized and like follow a to-do list and get things done. I don't feel like type B laid back or like totally scatterbrained, but I think I've just been thinking so much about how, how much more right-brained I am and very driven by, by my emotions or a sense of creativity. And I think even, even if I have something like, for example, if I have something that is stressing me out or making me feel sad, I, I would so much rather have someone appeal to my emotions and ask how I'm feeling. I would so much rather have someone check in about how I'm feeling and how I'm doing and what would make me feel better versus like a practical, logical solution to the problem. I mean, I think that's true for a lot of us. We want someone to just hear us out and show that they're understanding and listening to us more than advice. But yeah, just for me thinking a lot about how how important it is um, for me to have a safe space for my emotions and thoughts. And I'm grateful that I very much, very much do. Number nine, letting your yeses be yeses and your nos be nos. Um, this one's kind of cheesy. You've probably heard this one before, but I, I, I think I've gotten a lot better in this year of being confident in the things that I am agreeing to and knowing that like, hey, no can be a complete sentence and a full sentence and I don't have to always elaborate or over explain myself or bend myself over backwards for people to make them like me or respect me or understand my thoughts or opinions. It just feels weird and it feels selfish to even say that, but knowing that it's okay to be confident in in your decisions. Number 10, being honest does not mean that I'm being unkind. My opinions and interests don't lose meaning or value by being different than someone else's. I think I mentioned this in one of my earlier episodes during like the introduction portion, but this definitely goes along with people-pleasing and a tendency that I had in the past to just want to make people happy and do whatever was going to be best for them by like not sharing what I actually thought and wanting to prioritize what they thought instead because that was going to make them happier and that would that would in turn make me happier, which is still true in a lot of ways, but I think I've grown a lot more confident in in what I think and what I want to do in little moments or big decisions too and just feeling feeling a lot more bold in saying those not in a not in an assertive way or a super blunt way, but just having some more, some more confidence and self-assurance of, of what I think and knowing that like my opinions are also, also equally important to other people's opinions. Um, And I don't have to like shove that down just for the sake of keeping the peace or making people happy. Okay guys, number 11, we're halfway there. I love being a girl and I love that my heart is wistful and sensitive. I love that it's tender and soft. It's not too big or too fragile. I wrote this one down thinking about the Barbie movie that came out this summer, which I absolutely loved. So I'm just going to read you my little review that I wrote for the Barbie movie that kind of captures this. I'm soft and I'm gentle. I love the color pink. I'm passionate and expressive. I can't help but feel things to their fullest extent. I dance in my room. I'm competent and I'm capable. I always fill my home with fresh flowers. I initiate group hugs. I'm disciplined and determined. I'll never get over the excitement of girls' night. I'm a triple texter. I take pictures of everything, trying to stop the world in time. I thrift and shop and love the details of decorating a home. I eagerly await coffee dates and conversations that last hours. I long to be a mother. I cry often. I tell my friends I love them abundantly. I've been conditioned to be kind and compliant. Still, I admire that I'm kind. I'm reminded to love all these things about myself. I know that while they make up who I am, they are not all of who I am or who I will become. I don't have an ending, and that's my favorite part. So I think that captures it pretty well, I'd say. Number 12, tell people you love them. If you feel it, say it. Life is too short to not say it or to worry about people thinking that you're a simp or being too gushy. Let's start complimenting people behind their backs. 
Um, I am a firm believer in this. I know that I'm probably a pretty active and open communicator and someone that's probably going to overshare or just want to share every thought that's in my brain when it comes to me. But I, I just think that like life is too short to not tell people what you think about them or to say what you admire about them or to show them that you care. And this year taught me a lot about not wanting to play games with people when you're communicating and make them guess about how you're feeling, but just really wanting to be honest with people and build them up and encourage them and love them as much as I can. And I think a big way that I, I like doing that is through through the words and through the thoughts that I that I have about them. And in regards to complimenting people behind their backs, I was talking to Mallory about this, who was talking to her sister Morgan about this, I think. But the idea of reverse gossiping and just saying kind and affirming things about people behind their backs. Um, and if you hear someone saying something kind about someone else, going in like telling that person that you were having that conversation and like telling them that you and another friend were talking about them so highly and admiring them for for something and just the power that we have in in speaking those words to people. Number 13. Let your theology be small and your love be big. I'm not going to always get it right, but I want to err on the side of love. So this quote came from Josiah whenever we filled our growing pains and big growing pains and good change episode. And it's definitely still resonated with me and so much of the person that I, that I want to be as a friend, a social worker, a girlfriend, as a mother, one day, all those things. I want to be someone that, that really errs on the side of love and loving people. And because I think that that captures all of who Jesus was with someone who was welcoming and loving, overwhelmingly seeking to make them feel, feel loved and, and cared for. Number 14, the only embarrassing thing is feeling embarrassed. People, and don't make people feel dumb or sad about things that excite them. So much of like feeling embarrassed or feeling anxious or feeling nervous, not that those things, not that those feelings are invalid, but I think for me, a lot of it, I can just kind of get in my own head and be scared about how people are perceiving me or judging me. But I think in the past year, I've tried to do a lot better of a job of just being who I am and trying to be authentic in whatever space I'm showing up in and knowing that like people are always going to judge you. People are always going to have their own thoughts and opinions and you can't please everyone or make everyone happy. Not everyone's going to be your best friend, but if you're kind of held back by those things, then that is the part that feels embarrassing and feels sad to me. Um, letting other people kind of, kind of dictate, dictate the, the things that you're excited about and the things that you love or you're passionate about. Um, or like what you want to wear, what you want to do, whatever it is, big or small. One of my favorite things in the world is when people can match your energy and match your excitement. And I hope that I'm someone that's always going to be excited for other people, whatever it may be, if they're, if they're amped about their, their coffee or their bagel that they had in the morning or about a huge, a huge promotion at work, whatever it is, I want to be someone that's going to match the energy and share in that excitement with them, whatever it may be. Number 15, intimacy can come in the form of relationships, but also from enjoying my own company. I definitely think that I'm someone that is driven by relationships and having having a sense of closeness with the people in my life and feeling very um, in the know about how they're doing and how to support them and love them. But I think I've also been continued, I've been continued to be affirmed in the past year that I love time alone and time to reflect and be in my thoughts and just be by myself. For me, I love a slow morning alone in the home where I'm making my coffee and my breakfast and I'm reading or listening to music or even if I'm out running errands, um, running errands or doing a creative project like painting or writing more poetry. I, I really loved those moments where I'm just alone and I know that that's not everyone's experience. I know that um, some people are definitely more extroverted or would way rather, yeah, way rather be with other people than be alone. But I think that those are some of the most powerful moments for me and moments that I feel so recharged and so much like myself. Number 16, be grateful for the cringe. 
I'm so different from who I once was, yet I haven't changed a bit. Mallory and I were talking about this a couple months ago, and we thought about doing an episode on it, so maybe we still will. But the whole idea behind this one comes from the idea that we can look back on middle school pictures of us and our outfits or hairstyles or whatever and totally cringe at at what we were doing and what was going on because I definitely wore knee-high zebra socks in seventh grade and that was a choice that I made. (laughs) But even apart from our fashion choices, I think we can kind of cringe at like things that we said or things that we did or maybe how we acted or like a silly video that comes up and I think that that's a normal experience to have because we grow and we change and we have some more maturity and perspective on life, which is a good thing, a very needed thing. But I also think that we should give ourselves grace for how we've changed and how we didn't know any better at the time. And that's okay because we were only 11 or 12 or 14, however old we were, whatever time frame you're thinking about. Um, And that's still a part of who we were. That was still like genuinely who we were at that time. And we're not we're not less genuine now because maybe we've changed or don't don't do the same hobbies or wear the same kinds of things anymore. But I think just how can we how can we have some grace and some appreciation for our younger selves? Because I think for me I'm largely largely still the same kind of person. And that's as evidenced by the fact that I had a YouTube channel in like my freshman year of college or had a blog in ninth grade. Um, I think I've always been someone that wants to have a creative outlet and wants to have a space for, for my thoughts or just some sort of outlet or expression or chance to chance to put myself out there a little bit not in an influencer way not in a trying to get famous way not at all but I think I've always kind of looked for an outlet and I think this podcast is a prime example of how even though I've changed and I've grown a lot I'm I'm still so much of the same person that I was as a kid which I think is pretty cool number 17 everyone has something Everyone is truly doing the best they can and coping in the best way they know how to. This kind of goes along with how to have empathy for people and what I've talked about before on the podcast of people existing in the context of their environments and being shaped by other factors and influences and so many other things um, apart from, from what we see or a snap judgment that we can make. So this to me is just an encouragement of, of how to take take a step back and have have some more empathy and some curiosity and some pause before um, before jumping to the worst possible conclusion or a, or a judgment about another person. Number 18, the power of living in expectation of the good. Assuming the best in people, also assuming that there is no problem until people communicate that there is. I've kind of already hinted on a couple of these things in the intro and then my previous, um, previous, what's it called? Revelations, um, things I've learned, but I want to be someone that lives in, in hope for the good and expectation for the good, not in a way that's going to dismiss difficult times or experiences, but really wanting to, to see the best in people and in the world. This reminds me a lot of Jamie and what our conversation was like on the podcast because she does this so well and inspires me so, so much in this, in this every day. Yeah. And then in the last part of this, this one, assuming that there's no problem until someone communicates that there is, this just goes back to assuming the best in people, not that they have ulterior motives or hidden intentions, but really trusting people and taking their word at face value and yeah, just really, really wanting to see them, see the good of them and give them the benefit of the doubt. Number 19, people will never forget how you made them feel. As I mentioned earlier, you can give advice to people. You can, you can show up for them and do acts of service and do, do so many things and try and say the right things. But ultimately, people are going to hold on to, people are going to hold on to the way that you made them feel. And that goes along with the idea of like 
felt safety and um and comfort i'm inspired just by by how my interactions with people can can impact them um in their days or their weeks but also it can can leave a lasting impression on them and i hope that that by people knowing me i am leaving leaving it a positive impact on their lives number 20 you can always change your mind that doesn't mean that there won't be consequences but you can always change your mind everything matters and nothing matters this is just a small moment in the context of your life I heard this from a friend when we were getting breakfast in, I want to say, April, maybe. And it was when I was thinking a lot about, should I stay in Grand Rapids? Should I move to a new city? What job should I have? Should I go to grad school? Should I not? And just kind of wrestling with all of the, the ginormous feelings and and question marks that I feel like my life was being, that I was being faced with. And this has... I thought about this quote that she told me probably every single day since then of you you can always change your mind. You make a decision, but that doesn't mean that decision is permanent or going to have like a long-lasting lifelong impact on on your life and what you can or can't do. So, this is a lot a lot of freedom for me in knowing that that there isn't really a right decision, but like you just you make the decision that you make. And knowing that you can change your mind and there might be follow from that, but that's okay. And your life is going to look so different a week from now, a month from now, a year or 10 years from now. And that's okay. And that's a really good thing. But just giving yourself some of the freedom and the ability to make, make those decisions and know that you can change your mind. Number 21, I want to decide everything for myself. At the same time, I want someone to tell me exactly what to do. This quote, I think, perfectly captures all of the big, all of the post-graduation feelings of my peers and I of wanting to have independence and autonomy and feel like I'm on my own and doing, doing things successfully independently by myself, but also feeling, feeling like it's very daunting and feeling very alone and scared of making the wrong call. But I think just verbalizing this idea was helpful to me to to understand kind of the complexity of this feeling of being in your 20s and not knowing what you should do and wanting to call your mom still, but wanting to figure it out by yourself and not wanting to lean on your friends too much, even though that's what they're there for. And there's just a lot of layers there and a lot of complexity that I'm still quite honestly figuring out, but grateful for the ability to even kind of process through that and and have those thoughts. But maybe... And maybe this can even help you as if you're processing through this as well. And the last one, number 22. I crave individuality and uniqueness, but we are nothing without the people, places, and poems that surround us and have shaped us. To be home is to be known deeply by those around me. We are all a mosaic of the people and places of our lives. We get to take those little pieces of another person and they become our own. And I'm okay with sacrificing some of this individuality. I hope that in sharing myself, people take the best of me with them until it becomes their own. I I really think that like getting to know, getting to know people and getting it to go out and experience the world, is the joy of my life. Um, getting to be deeply impacted by all the things that we experience and watching how how that changes us and even little little increments and little little ways was one of my favorite things and I know that for me in my own life I have been forever changed by the friends in my life a couple of them who you've gotten to listen to on this podcast this year but hopefully a lot more of them soon in in season two in 2024 I know that I'm better not just because I've picked up on their little quirks or phrases or things that they love and passions that they have but just but more so because I've been changed by their hearts and their character and inspired by the people people that they are so everybody that is my that is my list that is those are the 22 things I learned at 22 and that was a lot of talking I don't know if that made a ton of sense or 
will be helpful to you. I don't know what stage of life you're in. Maybe you're 22 like me. Um, maybe you're a lot older or a lot younger, but it's, it's my hope and prayer that at least one of those little things resonates with you or, um, can maybe help prompt you, prompt you to do some own reflecting for yourself before 2024 and think about all the ways that you've grown and changed and stretched yourself and practice some gratitude for the people and places that have changed you and your life for the better and for good. But I just appreciate you all so much for listening and kind of joining me on my podcast journey. Um, I'm just grateful to have a place to share my thoughts and feelings and to document all of all of the wonderful people in my life who who I love and I hope that you you've grown to love and get to know through our conversations this year. I have so much love for you all and I hope that you have the best Christmas and holiday season and I can't wait to talk to you in 2024. Bye guys!